Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. I want to bring up a friend, uh, Steve, and uh, Steve Sewell is, works with Foursquare and works with Care Ministry and just did a conference yesterday on, on at, where were you guys at? You're at St. Andrews, correct? I'll give you that. Yeah, St. we Andrews. were at St. Andrews. That's what Heather With said. With Heather. Yeah. And, and he <laughs> trains people around uh, uh, care ministry. He's written like 28 books. Um, he's, he's been a church planner. You can see it on his face. The, the <laughs> he has, uh, he's been in the ministry for years. Oh, do you have his, his, his books? Thank you. I'm going to see that. I, I just, it's, it's such, what you do is such a blessing. Just give us kind of an outline of what's going on and yeah, what you're... you know, so a lot of times when, when people don't know where to go, when people are frustrated, they're suffering, they're trying to figure out where, maybe they're at the end of their line, at the end of the rope, the end of the track, the door just keeps shutting, and, they, and people just don't know how to respond to that. So my role is to help people do that, to, to help people come alongside others. So my tagline is called, when your friends are at a loss, you won't be. Because you'll know how to help them. You'll know how to serve them. You'll know how to bring hope to them. I'm always encouraging people to bring hope to their friends, to their worlds. And there's plenty of stories where we all probably do that, but we just don't know, like, that's what we do. And so bringing hope to others and Mm -hmm. teaching churches, organizations, uh, corporate settings, faith groups, uh, how to set that up and how to do that. Not so much on the administrative side, because everybody kind of has somebody that might have some clues on to how to put their teams together, but I just bring some why. I bring some how-to how behind, uh, behind the scenes. What, so the, the, the books that you have here, is that what you train around? Yeah, so, so the, the first one is called uh, At a Loss, and uh, you hold those. Uh, yeah, that's a pretty yeah, good team, right? Go. Okay, so the first one is called At a Loss, <laughs> and uh, that basically is the first one, and, and it's... Uh, it's God gave it to me after I spent nine years in hospice, and uh, I wanted so to help other survivor. people. He, and I am a cancer survivor. Yes. yes. Yeah. Oh man. So out of that came this. Uh, actually, how, this came first, and then yeah. I went through cancer. And I told my doctor, I said, um, "Excuse me, um, I wrote a book, and uh, I help people with cancer. I don't get cancer." It was almost <laughs> kind of like I don't have time for this. Everybody ever said that, right? So, and you guys will guess what? Your prostate doesn't have time for you. <laughs> so I said, well, fine. Um, so that, that, was, that was hard. So this book talks a lot about helping people. It gives you tools on how to present prayer and, the, and, and biblical principles to them in a non-threatening way. That's a big deal. Who likes to be shoved something down their throat, right? So we don't do that. So the best way to do that is to give them support, help in an easy way. And so that's that book. And then these two books um, are kids' books. I am so delighted with this book, um, Finding Hope. It's about a little girl who loses her smile 
when her grandma dies. And, but she finds it in the most peculiar way, and it's all about finding hope. And it's, a, it's, uh, it's great. I'm so uh, excited because this book just got into Missouri uh, Cancer Clinics. Uh, it's in hospice houses. Uh, we, we, I'm able to get this in funeral homes. Uh, so this is super, super cool. I'm really excited about this. Uh, and the three of us uh, came together, Andrea uh, and I. She's a school teacher, so she knows how to deal with kids. Me, I just have four, and I don't know how they came. And then um, Matt, my, my buddy, he's an illustrator, and, and he, he, uh, he did it from there. So, yeah. So good. So. You know, I, I, I wanted Steve to talk and about it just because, really, that's the church. And where the church abdicates her role, you know who steps in? Government. And we all know what happens when government steps in. They like to screw it up. And, and as I know some of you are called to this care ministry. We're all called on some level to care ministry. But what you do in these trainings and, and uh, what you're writing is, uh, thank you. It is, it is huge. And uh, Steve comes back in, in the near future. I want to have him come in and share with us and, and take a whole Sunday and, and, and preach it. Because that would, I would love to hear more of your story. And thank you for coming and, and thank you for doing what you do. Absolutely. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. So we are, uh, we are in a new series uh, on the Holy Spirit. And last week we, uh, we tackled who is he? And we really, the, uh, a synopsis of last week was that the Holy Spirit is not an it, it is a he. There's a personality. He, the Holy Spirit. And, and let me start off by um, just repenting. I, I need to repent because... As I'm going deeper and studying and, and reading and, and going through this, I'm realizing how absolutely uh, uh, foolish of me not to spend more time and to jump into this earlier. Because and, 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 what I'm realizing, and I, I guess because I've been doing this thing called church for 23 years professionally, which all sounds terrible, um, that, that you can do it. Does that make sense? And 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 I take uh, for I, I I take for granted some of the things that I walk in and the Holy Spirit. But having said that, even as I'm reading and studying, I'm realizing, dear God, this is for me. I'm preaching to the choir. So first, let me apologize and ask your forgiveness. Secondly, um, now now it's on you, not on me anymore. So I feel much better about myself. <laughs> What you do with this and the, the absolute importance of this message, because this message is God's Word, coming out of God's Word, it can ch literally change your life. And I want to tackle today, is He a person? Is the Holy Spirit a person? Okay, and what does that look like? And, and, and how important it is to see Him as a person, because there's this... There's all these movements, all these. There are movements out there that, that treat the Holy Spirit as, as an it and, and a movement and not a person. They don't distinguish him as a person, which is very dangerous because if you don't see him as a person, you will never develop a personal relationship with him. If you don't interact with him as a person, the third person of the Holy Spirit. And I don't say, third is not an, a ranking. 
It's in a deference that they give to one another, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, in this perfect relationship they walk in. But when we don't think of him in this context and we don't interact with him as a person and we don't have a relationship with him, we have an inept church. We have a shallow church. We have a church with no power. We have a church that may look great on the building and in the clothes that you wear and when you walk up to church twice a month and when you, you go in and you, you sit and you slip out and, and, and people say, oh, you know, I'm a Christian. All those things may look good, but there's no power in your life to see when we pull back the curtain that there's actually deliverance that takes place. And it's all tied to this, the person of the Holy Spirit and the relationship that I have with him. The Holy Spirit isn't his name. Did you know that? That's not his name. It's his function. He functions as the Spirit. When we look, his name is God. Now that, you, you got to adjust something. God the Father, and God the Father shows himself as Father God. God the Son, who came as the Son. God the Holy Spirit. His function as the Holy Spirit is to come and dwell us as believers and bring us wisdom and knowledge and comfort and direction and all these things that Jesus promised in John 14, 15, and 16. What distinguishes a person? What, what makes a person a person? I mean, uh, is it because they're alive? And I'd say no, because that tree over there is alive, but it doesn't have a will you can talk to it, although today, yeah, I don't know if you, you, you read much about some of the crazy tree people. Do you know that there are people that are marrying trees? Oh, I know it sounds funny. This is, they have these whole ceremonies out, out and, and they, where they're, they, they marry trees. I don't know what happens after that. I don't know how you consummate that marriage. I know none of those details. I don't want to know any of that. But it, 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 there, that tree does not have a personality. A personality, a general definition, a person has a personality. The theological definition for a person is a person has a soul. There's a soul in there. And in that soul, we have, we have this mind, we have a will, and we have emotion. It's where we think, where we desire, and where we feel. The Holy Spirit thinks, he has desires, and there's feelings that happen with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a distinct personality. As a third person of the Trinity, he has a soul. The mind of the Holy Spirit thinks like God thinks. The will and the desire, he desires like God desires. The emotion, you feel what God feels. And when you think about the Holy Spirit in that way, when Jesus says, it's good that I go because I'm sending the Holy Spirit who will dwell within you, then, then the, the key to living the life that God has called us to and thinking like God thinks, desiring what God desires, and feeling what God feels is to be in this relationship, personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. We have a church that shows up fairly regularly, goes to small groups, and when we ask about the statistics, you know, 80-some percent say they believe in God, but we have this disconnect that sits over here, that we're not walking in the power of thinking like God, desiring the things that God desires. 
and feeling what God feels. There's this huge gap between what the church is and what the church is supposed to be. And I, I want to encourage us. I want to implore you. I, wanna, I want you to think through and, and really go, look, the Holy Spirit, when I come into this relationship with God, this Holy Spirit that lives in me, do I have a relationship with him? And then step back and go, okay, let me look at my life and see where it's going and the questions I have and the, the difficulties I have. Maybe you guys don't have any difficulties or questions. But maybe you guys got it all together. Every, I mean, everything is just fun. But for me, or more Chris, because she really needs the Holy Spirit, what happens is, serious, it's kind of funny. We know it's not true, so you can laugh at it. It's called sarcasm. No, it is, is true. Both of us. The, the, knowing that we, we need to walk in the power of this Holy Spirit having the mind, will, and emotions of God. See, I want to hit these three points, the mind, the will, and the emotions that the Holy Spirit has of God. And let, let me pray as, as we get into these three now. Father, I just, God, I pray that you would speak to us. God, I pray that you give us ears to hear and eyes to see. God, that, that as we look at our own life situations, God, there are men and women who are hurting in here. There are men and women who need answers in here. God, we need healing emotionally. God, we need to have that mind of Christ in our lives. So God, I pray as we explore, as we, we dive in, as we look at the word, God, that we'd be a people, Pacific Point Church would be a people that go deep in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. God, I thank you for your son, Jesus, who said and came and died for our sins, but said, it is good that I leave because I'm sending you a helper. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for who you are. In Jesus' precious name, amen. 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 He has a mind. He has a mind. It says this in John 16, 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. That the, the, what it says of, of him, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, is that he's omniscient. Omniscient, omni meaning all, and science, knowledge, all knowledge. That the Holy Spirit has all knowledge. That there's nothing that he doesn't know. That, that, that sin that you think that is hidden, that no one has seen, that's sitting in your back pocket, that you sit on and you, you, you hope that doesn't get exposed. What, what I know that I know that I know is the Holy Spirit knows. That, that depression that hits you when you lay down and you go to bed and you, and you go, I don't know how I'm going to get through it, and, and no one can know this because i got to power through. The Holy Spirit knows. Those unresolved hurts, the unforgiveness, the bitterness, the anger, all that stuff that, that you may have just kind of pushed down, pushed down, pushed down. The questions that you have for God because you feel like it's just too much, all those things, the Holy Spirit knows. He's all-knowing. There are no secrets. See, but here's when I was looking at this. Uh, I'm not trying to convince you or prove to you that the Holy Spirit is a person. 
If you have a relationship with Jesus, I think that's pretty foundational in that, that you, you do believe that. That is not what I'm trying to do here. I'm not trying to prove to you that the Holy Spirit is this person. What I'm trying to show you is that there's a benefit, that the Holy Spirit living in me, the power of the Holy Spirit that resides in me is a benefit. It is a gift. It is good. And, and, and that he has called you and I to exercise this, to walk with and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and show you the benefits of the person of the Holy Spirit. So think about this. You have someone living in you who knows everything about everything and has committed himself to be your teacher. You have someone living in, inside of you when you come into relationship with Jesus that knows everything about everything. There's not a thought that God hasn't thought of. There's not, ex nihilo means this, out of nothing. God is the only one who thinks out of, and brings nothing into something. All of us, we copy what we think and what we know. Everything that you think is original, it's not original. Only God creates out of nothing. You may have, and, and you and I have someone living in us that, that knows everything about everything and has committed himself to be your teacher. We sent Huddy away. That sounds terrible. Um, we, we took Huddy to school about a month ago, and I know this will be hard for you guys to believe, but, and, and try to, you know, to imagine with me, okay, because you, you won't, this won't, you won't be able to comprehend this, but in, in my house, I'm, I'm not really organized. Gosh, I know, I know, stay with me, I may have lost you there. there there's, structure is not my middle name. What the heck do you want to do next is my middle name. Where's the party is my middle name. That does not always lend, thank God for Chris who helps rein it in. Now, she, her middle name is not Miss Organization. That's not her nickname. But she reigns us in. But so, so Hudson goes away to school and uh, he, uh, what, he loves it. And his, his whole life away at school, because he's at a prep school living there, on t- is, is, or it is to a T organized. I mean, gets up at a certain time. He does, he does school every day. He practices at a certain time. He does this at a certain time. But, but I, I use this. This school is committed to his success. Now, they, they have this, this underlying, uh, they have this, this reason. Yeah, I believe it's because of the education. But for the coach, I believe it's because he wants to keep the players playing the game. So they're committed to it. Every day he meets with a counselor for 20 minutes, an academic counselor. I think I met with him once his, his, his junior high years to go over his academics. And that's only because at about sixth grade, fifth grade, they all lost me on math, arithmetic, and English. So I had to send them to Chris. But they're committed to him being successful. Now for him, there's no option to show up. He has to show up. For him, there's no option to be late. He has to be late. And it leads into the success in his career thus far and his schooling. If Christians could just grab a hold of this concept, if we could just walk in this, look, it's no, there's not an option to show up and meet with Jesus every day and talk to the Holy Spirit. If we could just get to this point that every day at two, it doesn't have to be two, whatever, I'm going to meet with the counselor. And he's going to show me, and he's going to direct me, and he's going to guide me. Think of what the world might be. Think of what the church might be able to accomplish if you and I 
lived around this truth that the Holy Spirit has committed himself to me if I just show up. See, the reality is this. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's a gentleman. He doesn't bulldoze. He doesn't grab you by the scruff of your neck and pull you in and go, you got it, you got it. And he goes, I'm here, I'm committed, I'm all in, I'll do whatever it takes. But he's a gentleman. You have the person who knows the answer to every question living inside of you. Some of you have these massive questions in your life right now. You have these questions, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What's this going to look like? You have the one who has the answer living inside of you. But you'll never ask him for the answer if you don't think he's a person. What do we need to know? That's a question. What do you need to know? There's so many things that I, I need to know. I just go, okay, Holy Spirit, I, I need to know what's happening next. Now, the beauty of it is this, that many times the Holy Spirit says these simple words to me. I do know. I got you. You're going to have to trust me. Literally, I, I, I was praying in this last couple of weeks because about church and about, about finances and about all those things that we practically think about. And I go, okay, God, you're going to have to do some things here. You're going to have to do some things here. And he says, as I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit and that still quiet voice says, I know and I got you. And then this peace comes. Because if, if the Holy Spirit is who he says he is, if God is who he says he is, if Jesus who is who he says he is, I stand on his word and I trust. The Holy Spirit that lives inside of you is trying to get you to think like God. He's trying to get you to renew your mind. All that crap, all that lust, all the lies, everything the world throws at you, the Holy Spirit says, no, 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 no. I, I want you to have the mind of Christ. I want you to renew your mind so that you would think like God thinks so that when a question comes, when a decision comes, you make the decision that comes forth from knowing God and the decision is the right decision, not the one that throws you into a tailspin, not the decision that might be with you the rest of your life because you're disobedient, not the decision that hurts you decision that God would like you to walk in. The Holy Spirit wants you to walk in this place of desiring what God wants you to desire. You know, I, when, when we walk with these worldly desires, and I want more wealth, and I want more sex, and I want more money, and I want more relationship, or what, whatever it is you want, God goes, let me adjust your desires, and let not your end game be the next relationship. Let not your end game be the next dollar. And desire me, because I will meet all of your needs and satisfy those places that are dark in your soul. He says, your emotions, God wants to grab a hold of your emotions so you can feel like God wants you to feel. And that hopelessness that we walk in, and the hurt that we walk in, and the anger and, and all the things that we walk in, God goes, I want you to feel what I feel, which is hope. And that hope comes through Christ Jesus when Christ went to the cross and died for our sins so that you and I can walk in the freedom. That's the Holy Spirit. Do you know who he is? Have you met him lately? My heart breaks because I, I haven't 
done a good job of teaching this. Or even walking in it. Because I got it all together. I don't know if you guys know this, but I have it all together. I can make things happen. I'm tall, five foot ten. I'm smart. I run about a one ten in my yeah, never mind. I, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. I need the mind of Christ. I need the desires of God. I need to feel what God feels. Number two, he has a will. He has a mind and he has a will. It says this in Acts 16, 6. Um, what was it? Uh, now, when they had gone throughout that word, because I, I hate pronouncing it, and the region of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word to Asia. Now, we, we know the story that at this time, the Holy Spirit says, you cannot preach here. Now, come full circle, they were released to preach in Asia at a later date. But right here, he, the Holy Spirit forbids them to exercise their will. They wanted to preach in Asia. He says, no, 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 no. It's not unlike with my kids. I exercise my will regularly on my kids. Sometimes they listen, sometimes they don't. I exercise my will and say, you can't do that. And the Holy Spirit exercises his will in our lives. And he says, no, 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 you can't do that. Don't do that or do that one or the other. But he forbids them there. Which leads us to the number one, what does God have for my life? Anybody wonder that question, ask that question? What, is he, what do you have for me, God? It can't be this, fill in the blank, whatever this is. God, what do you have for me? There's got to be more. We're missing it as Christians. Think about this. Since the Holy Spirit has a will, and since his will is the will of God, and you would like to know God's will for your life, why don't you start getting to know God? I, I mean, it's just, it just makes sense. As you, as, you, as you go, why God, or why, or what do you have? Maybe, just maybe, as it, it, we, we press into the Holy Spirit, he'll guide and he'll lead and he'll direct. I know it's true. I've seen it in my life. Here, being here today with you guys, I was sitting in Santa Ana preaching about 100 different pastors in Santa Ana about God's will for their life. And in the middle of preaching this message to these guys, you know, sitting up there thinking that I'm imparting to these people, the Holy Spirit, five years ago, six years ago, said, I'm speaking to you. I'm like, no, 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 I'm busy right now. Just sit over there. I'll talk to you in a second. I, I'm, I'm important. I'm talking to, you know, 80 to 100 pastors. And I'm preaching this message on Exodus 4 and feeling good about the message, and I love the message. And the Holy Spirit again says, I'm speaking to you. I'm like, oh gosh, what do you mean you're speaking to me? And I'm trying to look at my notes and trying to speak in the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you to lay down everything that I have for you. That's what I was preaching out of Exodus 11. Throw down your staff, lay it all down, and then I'll tell you when to pick it up. And I always thought it was for all these guys and their ministry and all the things that they had going. But God was speaking to me, and the Holy Spirit very clearly said, I'm speaking to you. I'm like, ah. I revisited it after I got done speaking to them. And realized the Holy Spirit was preparing and gave me this message to lay down everything that I thought was mine. And, 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 and this person of the Holy Spirit that lives in me, directs and moves and speaks, if I'll enter into this relationship, 
with him. If you'd like to know God's will for your life, get to know God. There's two ways that God will let you know as well. There's general and specific. The general will of God is this word that we go to every day. God speaks through his word, primarily through his word. But the specific word is God's voice, the voice of the Holy Spirit that lives within you that I need to introduce some of us to again because you need to hear from the Holy Spirit. Let me give you some examples here. Two ways to know God's will in marriage. There's the general will of God in Ephesians 5, 22 to 33 that says, look, wives submit to your husband. We like that one. Wives submit, submit, submit. The other side of it, doesn't work so well if you just leave it there. The other side of it is husbands, lay down your life for your wives as Christ died for the church. Look, dying for your wife is much more difficult than submitting to your husband. We love the submission part, but we never talk about men, you got to die for your wife. And that's prescriptive here in God's word. But God's specific voice didn't tell you who to marry. This word doesn't tell you who to marry. I'm sitting in church 24 years ago in L.A. playing hockey, and I'm here in the offseason, and I'm, I'm sitting back in this, this church in Torrance, and we're worshiping, and, and in the middle of worshiping, God says, that's going to be your wife. Now, that was Chris Shaver sitting on the front row. I'm sitting back there going, gosh, I hate when I lust in church. God, please don't let me lust in church. I was thinking that I was just lusting after this beautiful girl in church. I said, God, let me worship. Focus your mind. Focus your mind. And as clear as could be, the Holy Spirit said, Chris Shaver is going to be your wife. I thought, this is crazy. Okay, I was dating another girl, and she was pretty too. Not as pretty as you, but, uh, you know, I had all these, uh, you know, I, <laughs> nowhere close to as pretty as you. I told my best, my best friend at the time, I'm like, I think God just spoke to me and said, Chris Shaver's going to be, be my wife. He said, yeah, you and every other guy in the church that's heard God on that one. I said, dude, whatever. I, I got this other chick in Minnesota. We'll see what happens. Sorry. I, I was a fool. I get it. Okay, thank you. Fast forward three years. We talked a handful of times. Handful, maybe a handful. Fast forward three years. I literally broke up with this girl one night. The next day, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. Chris is there. And uh, I'm like, hey, how's it going? You know, how's, the, how's your boyfriend? Oh, we broke up. How's your girlfriend? Well, we broke up. We went to dinner. Six weeks later, we're engaged. Nine months later, we're married. 23 years, 23, five kids, one grandchild, and a heck of a lot of things in between. Look, the Bible told me how to be a husband, and I'm trying to keep that. I don't do it all well all the time, but I'm trying. But he didn't specifically, in the Bible, he doesn't specifically say, Chris Blue, marry her. A still, quiet voice speaks to me. Money. I mean, the general will of God you can find all day long in here. Malachi, tithe, and watch that. I might open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you. Hebrews 13, don't be a lover of money. But specific voice of God, where I live, what house I live in, what car I drive, what watches I buy, what I do with my money specifically, you got to listen to the Holy Spirit. 11 years ago, I didn't listen to the Holy Spirit. 11 years ago, my emotions said I got to buy a house in Orange County. We moved here from Texas, and I bought a house, and we did not pray, we did not fast, we did not seek the Holy Spirit, and we lost that house because we made a foolish decision. And I made that outside of asking the Holy Spirit, what do you want for us? I am certain that if we would have put pause on and said, okay, God, what do you have for us? I know that I know the Holy Spirit would have said, stop, just wait on me, just wait on me. How about your kids? The general 
will of God is all over this Bible for your kids. Raise up a child in the way she goes, and they shall never depart. There's a whole a, a scripture that we see in there. But what about God's specific voice for each one of your kids that you need to hear from? Look, there's a general how I train up my child, what I do with my kids, stories about raising kids. But I've got to be able to hear from God for my children to drive them to walk with them in the lanes that they walk in because they're not all the same. I've got five, and across the board, they are different. Not one is the same. And if I treat them all the same, and if I deal with them all the same, I'm missing the specific nature that God has placed in each one of them. And it's my job and her job to hear that. And we've messed that up many times, and I think we're doing a better job of, of really finding that now. You want to hear God for your, your children? That Holy Spirit that lives in you, he wants to speak to you about your children. How do we know specific will? The Holy Spirit. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. If you want to know how to pray, the word says very clearly in Matthew 6, Jesus says, this is how you pray. But if you want to know what to pray, the Bible says, you don't know what to pray. Let me prove it to you. It says this in Romans 8, 28. And I'm going to build something here. And we know that those who love God, all things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. If you really want to understand the context of a scripture, you've got to look back and you've got to look forward of what the whole is saying. And what we see in 26 and 27 is this. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For what we, what? Do not know what to pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The Holy Spirit tells us what we ought to pray for, directs us in our prayer. It says in 827, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit, mind and will, right there. The Holy, you want to know what to pray for your children? The Holy Spirit will tell you what to pray for your children. And sometimes you have no idea what to pray for your spouse. Sometimes you have no idea what to pray for your friends. Sometimes you have no idea what to pray. The Holy Spirit guides, directs, and teaches and shows us what to pray. The way we know that the mind of God and the will of God is to know the person who is living in you, who has the mind and the will of God. See, we're living in the greatest times because God is speaking. I can show you thousands of years where one man got to hear from God, and then he would take it to everybody. I can show you a period of 400 years where God said, I'm not talking at all. But now we live in this time, the greatest time. Acts 2 says this, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all of his people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will see dreams. I'm still seeing visions, just to let you know. God speaks. God speaks and he wants to speak to you about your life. He wants to tell you how much he loves you. He wants to show you how important and what he has for you. Here's an important point that we have to remember. Any pastor, any uh, leader that you may walk with is this. I can hear God with you, but I can't hear God for you. Look, that doesn't say that God doesn't give me words for you, but let me tell you this. If the preacher or your, 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 one of the leaders you walk with is hearing God for you, you'll become dependent upon him and not on the Holy Spirit. And I don't want to be anybody's Holy Spirit. I'll screw it up. 
I can hear God with you, and I can pray with you, and you can seek counsel with leadership. But I, do, I am not God's voice for you other than when I'm preaching the word of God and you hear God's word through me. The Holy Spirit will decipher. The Holy Spirit will speak to you through my words that God has given me. But you have to learn to hear God for yourself. You have to learn. You've got to grow those muscles. I've got to hear God. It comes from this point of desperation many times where, oh God, I need you. And you cry out because you need God and you've got to hear God from yourself and what he has for you. It's the still, quiet voice. I don't have time to... Uh, we're, we're going on time. Okay. Knowing God. You can know the mind of God by getting to know the Holy Spirit. You can know the will of God by getting to know the Holy Spirit. And lastly, he has emotions. All the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 are characteristics of the Holy Spirit. When we look at the fruit of the Spirit, love, okay, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and, and faith. Love, a person loves, not an inanimate object. That tree does not love. A person loves. A person has joy. A person has peace, has patience, has kindness, has goodness. A person has faithfulness. But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit that comes forth from the Spirit are these. These are characteristics of the person of the Holy Spirit. Why do I not walk in these? Because I don't walk in the fullness of what the Holy Spirit has for me. We did this whole series the last over the summer about the fruit that people are eating off your life. It's when you acknowledge and when you come into this intimate relationship with the Spirit that lives in you that the fruit of the Spirit starts to go forth and your life is changed and others eat off of it. But also Ephesians 4.30 tells us not to grieve the Holy Spirit. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. He says you can love the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You can also grieve the Holy Spirit. Grief is an emotion. It's an emotion that we feel. Look at this in Ephesians 4.25-32. Therefore, having put away falsehood. Again, let's look at the context. You have that one spirit. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. Let's look what it says before and after, and it'll give us a, a clear picture of what it really means to grieve the Holy Spirit. Therefore, having put away falsehoods, let each of you speak the truth with your neighbor, for we are members of one another. You know what grieves the Holy Spirit? Lying. Grieves the Holy Spirit. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun come down on your anger. You know what grieves the Holy Spirit? Your anger and mine, and leaving it there. Verse 27, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. You know what the, the, grieves the Holy Spirit? Stealing. Verse 29, let no corrupt talk come from your mouth. You know what, you know what? Grieves the Holy Spirit when you speak foolishness. Gosh, it's convicting. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only such good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, bitterness grieves the Holy Spirit. Wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away. All those grieve the Holy Spirit along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. You have problems forgiving others? You need to access the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You have bitterness and unforgiveness in your life. The Holy Spirit is the only way to walk that out. And the Bible's really clear about bitterness and unforgiveness. You have angst in your life. The Holy Spirit is the one who delivers you. you in, are you insecure about who you are? 
The Holy Spirit is the answer. Not more makeup, another dress, or whatever, another house. Only the Holy Spirit. What grieves the Holy Spirit? Sin. We have a church that's walking in sin and has no power. And the Holy Spirit is not working in their lives because they have grieved the Holy Spirit. Grief is emotion of loss. There's a sadness you feel when you lose intimacy with someone. Look, look I'm going to give you a picture of this. When someone dies, we grieve because we have loss. We can't be intimate with them. If they know Jesus, what we do know is this. We'll see him again in heaven. So that gives some reprieve. But we lose that immediate intimacy that we want when someone dies. That's what happens with the Holy Spirit. Let me show you. When, when you and I sin, we lose intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And he grieves the loss. Now, we don't lose our eternal salvation. The Holy Spirit knows full well we'll be with him and the Father and the Son into eternity. Our theology is saved by grace of faith that no man should boast. There's nothing that you could do to earn it or lose it. But the Bible very clearly says the Holy Spirit is grieved. Look, let's take the natural and spiritual that run parallel to one another. Time and time again in my relationship with my wife or my relationship with my kids. When, when, When there's an offense there, you lose intimacy. When my children have offended me, that intimacy is gone. You walk around on eggshells. You don't want to look them in the eye. You don't want to spend time with them because the, the relationship has been broken. When I offend her or she offends me, the relationship is broken. You think I'm getting any when I offend her and, and have a problem? It ain't happening. There's no intimacy that is happening when you break relationship. The church has broken relationship with the Holy Spirit and hasn't repaired it. And there's no intimacy. Therefore, there's no power and deliverance. And we're walking around with these blinders on in our unforgiveness and our bitterness and our anger and our desperation and our depression and all these things. Yet we have the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us that allows us to walk them out. Clarification. I I am in no way, shape, or form saying that medication is not needed. Let me be very clear about that. I think the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom. He gave doctors wisdom. But I'm also saying the, the God that I serve can deliver us. And we can walk in parallel with the two. In our sin, we are stiff arming the Holy Spirit. And some of us are walking around and, and we haven't restored our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And we go, why won't God talk to me? Why don't I get peace in this? Why don't I get deliverance in this? Why can't I have understanding? Why, why, why? And, 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 and we're just, we've done this to the Holy Spirit and, and, and there's, there's no intimacy with the Holy Spirit because of our sin. We walk in our sin and it grieves the Holy Spirit because sin brings death and causes us to lose intimacy with God. Here's the beauty. Restoration. In, in the next five minutes, when we come up and we receive communion, you can change all of that in a second. All of that stuff that just sits there, 
that separates you from the intimacy with the Holy Spirit, gone in a moment at the cross. This story of the, uh, of the father and the, the son. and it, The father and the son said, I have sinned against you, God, and against you. I am no longer fit to be called your son. But the father called his son. I love this picture. The son realizes the sin. There's a humility. I have sinned. I have sinned against you, God. But the father doesn't just say, you're forgiven. Look what he does. He, he says, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, shoes on his feet. Then go and get prize calf and kill it and let us celebrate with a feast. So the son of mine was dead, but now he is alive. He was lost, but now he has been found. And so the, let the feast begin. Oh, that is so good. Right now, right today, you can take whatever that sin is that you've dealt with, whatever has bound you, whatever grabs a hold of you, whatever is, is, has separated you from the power of the Holy Spirit, today can be reconciled so that you can walk in the freedom. Because at the end of the day, bondage and freedom are both roads. And there's way too many Christians that are walking down the road of bondage because they haven't repented, because they haven't sat before God and said, oh God, help, help me, forgive me. And, then, and, 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 and we walk down this road of bondage that just gets a hold of us. But just as bondage is the road that people walk down, so is freedom. And when we come into this relationship with Jesus and we repent for our sins, we turn and we walk down the road of freedom. And the enemy comes and, and he's standing along the side and he whispers lies or he yells lies at you. You'll never be free or you're this or you're an idiot or you're that or you're never beautiful enough or you're never smart enough or enough money, blah, 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 whatever it is. And you go, no, I'm walking down the road of freedom because the power of the Holy Spirit lives in me. See, that's what the world needs. They don't need more people that come to church. I need men and women who walk the road of freedom because of what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago. They need more young children, young men, young women who understand who they are and walk in the freedom. They need more old people like the back row that, that walk in. <laughs> sorry, sorry, JoJo, Jim, and Shirley. I looked at the back row, and there's like four people, like 80. Sorry, guys. No, I'm kidding. You guys are great. I'm so sorry. It's just, I literally look back. But God needs more mature people that are walking down the road of freedom. I want the band to come up now, and, and as, as we sing this song and, and, and we receive communion, this is an opportunity to set it all right. It doesn't have to happen on Sundays. It can happen every single day, every moment. That This is not a magical place other than church and God called us to be here. You know where the magical place is? When you get up in the morning and you engage the person, the Holy Spirit, and say, oh, I need you this morning. Oh, come on, Holy Spirit, I can't do this without you this morning. I can't walk in the freedom of depression and anxiety without you, Holy Spirit. I can't walk in the, in the, the freedom of, of, of not knowing what's going to happen next without you, Holy Spirit. I can't walk in that place of not knowing what's going to happen with my kids without you, Holy Spirit. I can't walk in this place of relationship with my wife that, is, is, it, that may not be right without you, Holy Spirit. You want to be a better husband? Access the Holy, power of the Holy Spirit. You want to be a better wife? Access the power of the Holy Spirit. Watch what he'll do.
and walk down the road of freedom. In the name of Jesus. As we come to receive communion today, that still quiet voice says to me, tell them that freedom came through the cross. That still quiet voice that said, marry this woman, says to me, tell them that I'm a person. I want to have a relationship with you. And if you're willing to come up here today and receive this communion and, and, and just get it all right, not because of what you did, but because of what God did, I might do. Watch what I might do. Fathers, as we get ready to receive the elements, the bread that represented your body that was broken, the wine that represented your blood that was spilled, oh God, have mercy. God, I thank you that you sent your son to die for us, but you didn't leave us there. You sent your Holy Spirit to live within us. He is alive and well in each one of us that have a relationship with you. So God, as we come and we lay all of our stuff at the foot of the cross and, and repent and ask forgiveness, I thank you that you restore us, that we can walk down the road of freedom and have hope restored. God, if there's anybody here today who doesn't know you, your word says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. If you don't know Jesus today and you want to walk the road of freedom and you want the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, the prayer that we pray is, oh God, I quit. I'm letting go of my life and I want you, Jesus, to be Lord of my life. Lord, as we come and receive, pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd fall on this place in a powerful way. You'd deliver us. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Pacific Point Podcast. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com slash give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you are encouraged today.